Teams are wired to focus on the task of the team. And of course that makes sense because that's why the team is assembled in the first place. We need to get to a certain destination. However, if you're only focusing on the goal of the team, the task of the team, it's like looking at the GPS but never paying attention to the vehicle that you're in. Hi and welcome to the Expansive Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm a Teams consultant and speaker. Uh, every week, John and I do this podcast where we get together and we talk about what does it mean to be expansive? What does it mean to live larger and a bigger life in this modern world we find ourselves in where uh, AI is dominating and robots are dominating and things are more complex than ever before and change is happening quicker than ever before. And we try and make sense of it all and we try and figure out what are the best next steps that we can take and we share it with everyone on this podcast so that you can also take some bigger, more expansive next steps. And as I just mentioned, I never do this alone. I am always guided and mentored by my ever-elegant co-host that joins for the podcast, John Sane. John, what's happening, brother? I like that. Team consultant. That was the first time I've heard you introduce yeah. yourself like that. I like embracing, it. Embracing, embracing. Yep. Yes, yes. I love it. I see all your shares are about that. That's wonderful. I am very well, thank you. I'm in Cape Town like you are, freezing. It's uh, cold here. I'm looking forward to going to Italy on Friday and uh, exploring some European weather. I am sick and tired of my whole social mm. feed being in Mykonos, Saint-Tropez, Greece, <laughs> Israel, Lebanon. Enough. Enough. I am now going to go join them. You need to go. Need um, to go. Yes, exactly. I'm also, I also want to add to that feed. Um, so looking forward to it. And uh, just got back from Joburg yesterday doing some work up there. But uh, always good to be back in Cape Town, as you know, because you just got back from overseas. Mm. Yeah, the air yeah, is Spain is interesting. interesting. Have you been? Have you been yes, to I Barcelona? Have, of course, yes, I have. Okay. I have. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, of course, because you actually recommended the restaurant. Did you enjoy it? Was Barcelona like a, a highly rated experience for you? Look, I loved the culture. I walked around a lot. I ate. I uh, yeah. I mean, no, yeah, it was good. It wasn't. I mean, look, every, mm. look. I, I just think every city in Europe is similar. You know, you got cool mm. shops inside old buildings. You got a marketplace where you got some old people selling things like they have been for four generations. You got yeah. this mix. You know what I mean? And they're all the same. You know, Budapest to Prague mm. to Barcelona yeah, to yeah. Madrid, Vienna. It's all the same. Mm. It's, it's really all the same. Overpriced suites and um, tourist traps. Um, you know, you got all those. All, it's all the oh, same. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it was cool. I mean, I mean, I I got a list mm. when I was there. It was a Barcelona, Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, one of my one of my favorite things about Europe is the new shops in the old buildings. Yeah. Like, I love seeing that old architecture, and you see these like shining lights of Zara coming through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? There's something there's something about that that, that really speaks to me. Yes, yes. Well, I guess we don't have it in South Africa, right? Everything's shiny mm. new here where you've got mm. the mix there. My favorite is like, I remember in France, I went to a castle and this castle had been converted into a mall, like a, like a, a high-end oh, wow. mall. And yeah. mm. so you had these very quaint little sweet shops that the person was making mm. the sweets in this old castle with this amazing lighting. And it's like, it's, it's just, it's very romantic and very like nostalgic in the way they go about doing it. Sometimes you think you're in a movie set. You're like, this is only mm. stuff that I see in a movie, really, you know? But I guess that's us in South Africa. You know, we, 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 we're not exposed to that level of depth of, of civilization. You know, we, we're still new here in, in, in South Africa mm. to a certain extent. Mm. 
you know, as much as I always love traveling, I also kind of develop a new appreciation for SA once I come back because we have such incredible weather. We actually have mm. incredible food, like the you know yes. the uh, the quality of our meats and of our, our yeah. fruits and our vegetables mm. is incredible compared to like what you often find in Europe. Um, so I always have a deep appreciation for SA again, but I also have this inspiration that comes from traveling and seeing mm. how things are done differently. And like I said to you, the level of wealth and the the opportunities that are out there. And and you know, in some ways, I think in SA, we've spoken about this quite a bit actually, is that we developed this syndrome where we like, we can only exist and operate in SA. Mm. We don't get to this point where we are borderless and boundaryless in our thinking. But That's when you travel, yeah. well, no, I, I, I mean just in general, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the thing is, when you get there, you realize that those people are exactly the same as people here. They go through the same issues, troubles. Like they just have different. In the first world country, it doesn't yeah it doesn't mean that you are living a totally different life. Yeah. Look, I think you know when I meet my friends who live in LA and London and those places, they are like almost in a different gear because they have to be, right? Because everybody around them is super smart. And so for them to perform and to be seen, they have to be at an X, like they have to excel in many mm. ways. They have to push themselves different. It's like, let's say you're playing football in the premiership or in the PSL. The premiership just pushes you to be a different version of yourself. You've got no choice. Mm. So I think what happens when you're living in a first world, because of the incredible number of competition that you have, you just have to step up your game. Your fitness has to be higher. And I think in South Africa, sometimes we get lazy because it's uh, just like, you know, we're cruising along, the education system's not that great. So, you know, we cruise along here. Whereas when you go there, you're like, hang on a second. They are normal people. They've just been pushed a little bit further mm. than we have. And I think that's the big difference there. Mm. Listen, so um, today's session is uh, maybe a little bit more, I don't want to say uh, practical, but it's a bit of a different take on what we've been doing for the past couple of sessions. Um, today, I wanted to share a bit of uh, insight into a keynote that I'm delivering called Team Flow. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as, you, as you've been saying, you know, my head and all my focus has been around teams. Actually, pre-pandemic, my focus was very much around teams. And then when the pandemic came around, I just didn't feel like doing team coaching virtually. There was just something mm -hmm. about that that didn't speak to me. So I kind of shelved it. And then now I'm back to it. Uh, and I'm, I'm fully committed, focused on it. And to be honest, I've actually come to a point where I'm loving facilitating teams online. You know, the tools, once you get used to the tools, are phenomenal. Mm. Have you played around with Miro before? No, I don't do what you do, but yes, tell me more, educate me. Well, you did a four-hour workshop yesterday, so you do... No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But, nine, I don't know, yeah, yeah. But the, it's, it's phenomenal. It's like uh, having a big whiteboard that everyone gets to work on at the same time. And in, in real-time brainstorm and... There's a bit of a learning curve to it, you know, but once you get used to it, it's actually a phenomenal tool. Um, but anyway, so I'm very back to, very much back to working with teams, and I thought I'd just share some, some thoughts around um, how do we create flow in teams. Mm. So I'll take us through a few ideas, uh, jump in where you feel you want to you add something, feel free to ask me questions. I want to start with something. Yes. I think Go this idea of putting our teams in flow is giving us access to the most creative version of ourselves. And I think it's a very powerful practice to bring into any organization. But I also think that we get it wrong so often by giving creativity and flow deadlines. 
And this idea, even the word deadline, just has such a low in, like energy to it, you know? And so we want to box creativity. We want to box flow. And flow and creativity come at all sorts of different times, you know? Like throughout mm. my day, I'm like running to my phone to make some notes about something that came to my mind. So I think we also have to think about time differently when it comes to flow. But I'm really interested to see how you skin it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of flow. I actually think there's a, um, there's a great overlap between the work that we are doing in different ways at the moment because mm. obviously you are very focused on, on brain waves and the, mm. um, I don't know how, what, what, what other, um, intuition, to that, knowledge, you know? yeah. knowledge over yeah, yeah. intuition, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, mean, I think there's, over knowledge. Yeah. yeah, so there's, I think there's that aspect to flow which is really important. And then the aspect that I'm speaking about is, how do we remove team frustration? So let's start there, right? Because when I speak to teams often, what I find, and this is not just, it's not isolated to the leader, it's really across the board, is that teams experience incredible frustration. And frustration is different to me from disappointment because disappointment is, I've given my best and things didn't work out. I'm disappointed, mm. right? Mm. Frustration is often, I feel I could have done better. I feel like there's untapped potential, you know, like mm. when, when I play paddle, for example, you know, I come off the court, if we, if we lose, I come off the court and I'm like, the frustration levels for me is off the charts. And the reason is I knew I could have done better. I'm like, yeah. like you have the potential to be so much more. But aren't you disappointed that you're so cuck? I mean, well, listen, we still, we still have our game. So <laughs> before you, before you make any judgments, <laughs> Okay. Before you make any judgments. But surely you're disappointed because you gave your best and you didn't win. So that's both frustration <laughs> and disappointment. It could be both. Isn't that both? It, I'm it, serious. Yeah, no, it could be both. It could be both, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but so what, what happens in the team often, what, what happens in the panel is the reason that I experience frustration and disappointment is because I didn't train. I didn't put in the effort to actually be my best. I know that there's uh, potential to get to, but I didn't actually do the work to get there. I just showed up and, and played on the day. And so the same thing happens for teams is that we look at our teams, we're like, I know this team could be so much better from a creativity point of view, from a performance point of view, from an innovation point of view, but it's not getting there. And then we're like, well, why is this happening? And the reason it's happening is because you're not putting in the time to get the team to the level that it needs to be at. And so the opposite thing of experiencing team frustration is that we experience team flow. And like you were saying, when we are in a flow state in our personal lives, you know, you, it's that moment where you are in focus and it feels like things are just standing still, time gets dilated, you feel that you are being very creative, you feel like you are being hyper-effective, everything around you just melts away. For me, when a team gets into flow, it's when the team really sinks. There's a synchronization that happens. And that synchronization is that we have a flow of ideas, people are performing at their best. There's almost this level of we are anticipating what each other is going to work like, what the team members will be doing, and therefore we get to really show up as a unit. We get to really be cohesive. And naturally then, you want to bring your best to the team. And when everyone naturally wants to bring their best to the team, you start elevating the team to a new level. And so, after, because I've been working with teams and, and looking at what causes the frustration, I've also been thinking about how do we remove those frustrations and those obstacles that then allows the team to have more flow off the back of it. So, um, fantastic, because that's the first step, and I like what you're saying, is the preparation to become in flow is not there. 
Yeah. Which I love. Now, there was uh, that book, Stealing Fire, and he spoke about hive mind. It's where you have team flow, where, you know, they were talking about the Navy SEALs in some, uh, like, operation that they were doing and how they could preempt each other's moves because they mm. practiced it, they knew each other well, they were thinking as a unit. And in hive mind, you think like a bees, like mm. inside a hive. You're all thinking as a, you're not thinking about yourself, you think about the, I suppose, when you have a, amazing rugby team playing like sometimes you watch the all blacks or even this box you know geez sometimes they are just so i remember watching germany in a world cup once and i was just like blown away at their football it was like a, it was a well-oiled machine so what is the preparation mm. uh, that a team can go through so four things that i'm going to quickly discuss here today um the first is that and when you look at teams like the the seals or the all blacks or those like germany team that you're talking about what they all have is a very fine-tuned operating system. A, a, an operating system for a team is a system that informs how we communicate, how we behave, how we hold each other accountable, how we give each other feedback, how we deal with issues in the team. And the thing is that every team that you will ever encounter has an operating system. But for most teams, the system is invisible, it's unintentional, and it's outdated. It's invisible because, well, we never speak about it. We just uh, accumulate behaviors and attitudes and mindsets over the years, but we never really think about, does this make sense? Does this lead us to where we need to go? Um, and, and therefore, as the team evolves and grows, that operating system becomes more and more outdated. You know, so meetings are a great example of this. So when you start as a solo founder, you don't have meetings, right? Like it's just you. And then you hire your second person. And then you're a team of two. And what happens is meetings are mainly just informal. You get together, like, cool, we're having a half an hour discussion, talking about this, and you just chat about it. Then maybe with three and four and five, well, it's the same thing. But once you have a company where you have 10 different teams running at the same time, having meetings all day, it can't just be informal conversation anymore. They need to be more structured and added to that. But if the operating system still inherited from the old days when we were like one, two, three, four people, which happens, it sounds crazy, but that happens, then it's outdated. You're gonna, what you're gonna have is chaos and frustration in the team. And so, I don't know if you've ever heard the story about the, uh, the two soldiers that were guarding the bench, and then the general comes to them and says, why are you guys guarding the bench? And they're like, well, we don't know. So he goes back to the office and he phones the, the previous general, and he says, listen, we have these two guys guarding the bench, I, I can't like, quite understand why, you know what happened, what's happening here? And he says, no, I don't know, um, phone the previous general. So he phones the previous general, he says, what, you know, what's happening, we have these two guys buying a bench, and the guy says, no, I, I don't know, phone the previous general. And so he phones this guy and he says to him, uh, listen, I've, I've been trying to figure out, I've phoned all these other generals and stuff, and I've been trying to figure out why these two guards are guarding this one specific bench in the park. And the guy goes, oh, what, is, is the paint still wet on the bench? And so, <laughs> so, I think that's what often happens in our team. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> hilarious. That's a joke. Uh, you know what? Sound like as you're talking about this, we we got our friends. Um, they were struggling with their two babies, and so we gifted them a night nurse. And the night nurse went and coached them and asked them what their operating system was for parenting, and they'd mm. never spoken about. It. Mm. And she said that 95% of parents never speak about the operating system for their kids. And then it makes me think you don't have an operating system for your family either. 
So this sounds like family counseling. Yeah, yeah. Almost. The same as team counseling. Yeah. Well, well, think about how often, like how much time are you spending, for example, at the moment, fine-tuning your personal operations? You're spending a ton of time doing that, right? Ton. A ton. 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 But then we look at our teams and we're like, well, oh, no, we don't need that. But I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of the most complex units that you are a part of because especially once that team becomes four, five, six, seven people, you know, the relationships are a multitude. So, so that's the first part is... Okay, so that's the first part. You have to take this okay. invisible operating system which you already have and make it more visible and ask, is it serving us for where we are, where we are moving to? Very good. The okay. second part then is that our teams need to have the right kind of focus. Teams are wired to focus on the task of the team. And of course that makes sense because that's why the team is assembled in the first place. We need to get to a certain destination. However, if you're only focusing on the goal of the team, the task of the team, it's like looking at the GPS but never paying attention to the vehicle that you're in. Because you know, teams are these incredibly resilient and evolving units. But mm. if we don't focus on the vehicle, then what's going to happen is we get to our destination full of wear and tear and things that are falling apart and a tire that's like half burst. Mm. And we see this. We see this in people all the time, in the teams all the time. People are falling apart, burning out. The opportunity that you have, and I, I remember reading this quote from a, a, like a very uh, well-known marriage counselor. Well, it's not a quote. I'm going to kind of just paraphrase what he was saying. But essentially said, if you're not doing anything that makes the marriage better, then it's getting worse. Wow. So if you do nothing wrong, that's great. But actually, the marriage is still getting worse, even if you just do nothing wrong. Wow. Wow. You have to actively wow. make it better. Right? Where were you when I was married, Eric? Yeah. Uh, sorry. What was that quote, bro? Sorry, I wasn't born, I wasn't born back then. <laughs> Whatever, lighty. Um, so uh, I love that because it's the same with everything, I guess. You know, mm. if you're not putting the effort into operating yourself and improving yourself, you're going backwards because you're not going backwards. You're staying still in the world's moving forward. And yeah, there's no stagnation. Oh, wow, that is profound. Know? There's no stagnation. There's no stagnation. Water backwards. When yeah. when when I do an assessment with teams up front, I ask them. It's quite it's quite a heavy question in that way. But I say, is the team dying or thriving? And I don't put stagnation in because actually it doesn't exist. If your team is stagnating, it's it's not. Geez, Eric, this is so. You must have so much work, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Every team. So, okay, let's go. What's the third one? So, well, let me just say this. Okay, so, so let's recap. What what the yeah. team needs to then be doing is. To, like your opportunity is to not arrive at the destination with a car that's falling apart or the same, but to arrive with a car that's better, that you've upgraded it along the way. Mm. And investing in your team in this way is one of the most important things to do. Yet, mm. 85% of teams that I speak with tell me that they don't have a team development, like time dedicated mm. for team development. And that's crazy. Of to not. Me. That's crazy to me because Mad. we were just saying, a personal development plan or like focusing on your personal operating system is such a natural thing to do. How do we not then have that time blocked out every single month for team development? So your, your focus on your team can't just be on the task of the team. It has to also be on the team. So that's number two. I've just remembered you haven't sent me something. Eric. Well, you see, I'm recording a podcast with you and then I'm going to send you the link for the podcast. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for this information. Now that you say it, I've been waiting for this. You haven't seen it. It's literally on my to do list. It's on my to do list. That was fantastic. I, I think we should do more of you sharing what you do because, again, I love listening. I love understanding your analogies. I love not eating cake for 30 days and not waiting to lose weight, but celebrating not eating cake. I love the analogy around your car mustn't arrive all like a skadonk, but really upgraded on the way there. I love the fact that a team must have a personality that we can drive towards and develop that personality together so we feel comfortable inside that personality. I love the fact that we need to prepare. Like all good teams need to prepare. Like, I mean, Germany football team prepares. Like, obviously they prepare, you know, they're not just thrown onto the pitch. So yeah, really fantastic stories and those analogies are gonna stay with me. And I think everybody's much richer for having listened to you share your passion, Eric. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on this expansive podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you along. Always still so surprised. I bumped into a few people in Johannesburg, and they were saying to me, they listen to the podcast. I was like, no way. You listen to the podcast? They're like, yeah, every week. I'm like, what? I had no idea you listen to the podcast. They're like, so we're still so amazed and delighted and, and just love it that you guys spend time with us. And if you haven't already liked and subscribed and given us a five-star please go ahead and do that uh, right across the board. It always helps us. If you think this could help any of your friends, uh, please do share it. And you can obviously book Eric or I uh, with our workshops uh, where I'm working more with team. Um, I'm working more with individuals in the future where Eric is working more with leaders and team dynamics. And actually, we can work together as well, which we have done with a client in New York, actually. And so, yeah, if you need to hire us, you know how to get hold of us. Please go ahead and share this wide and far and be as expansive as possible. Ciao.